Welcome to Healing the Spirit, a space where we awaken our creativity, deepen our connections, and remember who we are through the lens of astrology, archetypes, and art making. I'm your host, Jonathan Coe. Hello everyone, welcome to this episode of Healing the Spirit. I am overjoyed and honored to share this conversation with you, with my friend, as well as, hmm, it's a little hard to describe Martha. Martha is a fellow Virgo rising, and so Martha is, I see Martha as someone who is really living her Gemini midheaven invitation. And so Martha is a very wise and grounded and attentive human being who has a deep relationship with the spirit world and has this beautiful practice with astrology. And I think probably the best way to introduce Martha would be for me to simply read you her bio. And so this is her most recent bio from her website that she wrote in um, first person. So this is Martha speaking, and it's being read by me, (laughs) obviously. (laughs) First and foremost, I am a mom of two amazing kids, ages 10 and 15. We live in beautiful coastal California and feel so lucky to be here. I come from a big international family. I was born in Bangkok, Thailand, and grew up in Bangladesh, Pakistan, Kenya, and Northern Virginia. I received my master's in social work from Smith College in Massachusetts in 2001. I then worked as a clinical social worker, psychotherapist, and body worker for most of the past 20 years. I specialize in prevention, treatment, and investigation of child abuse, attachment, and trauma. In 2018, the spirit world made it very clear that it was time for me to move on from that very important work to the calling of my soul, assisting people to navigate the beautiful and often challenging experience of awakening to their ultimate cosmic selves and souls. For many years, since I was 21 years old, I've had an ability to see many things beyond the physical world, spirits of all kinds, past lives, the structure of people's bodies and cells, and so on. In the work I do now, I bridge both the earthly world and that of the spiritual and cosmic worlds to support us in coming into our personal and collective relationship with the spirit world and our own ways of living as conscious beings of both the earth and the divine. I feel strongly that the world needs our wisdom, not only of our minds, but of our whole beings, our minds, hearts, bodies, spirits, and selves as beings of the earth, cosmos, and infinity. I love this work that I do now, and I'm honored and full of joy, holding space for others to recognize their own beautiful, literally divine selves, and to live the full life they are here to live. Mm, I really felt that bio. (laughs) 
Ah, yes. So this conversation is just so full of magnificent wisdom. And it felt beautiful and grounding. And Martha shared so openly about her own life story. And I think in hindsight, I really learned a lot from this conversation in ways that are so subtle that I didn't even realize because we recorded this conversation a while back, maybe in August or July, I can't really remember, but um, of 2022. And so you'll even hear me speaking about how um, I was about to launch the year-long astrology program that I'm currently tending to with my collaborator, Britton LaRue. And so it is kind of interesting that we were in the space and Martha shared her wisdom. And then I had this really long period of kind of setting this conversation aside. But recently, a lot has come up for me around how I'm supposed to work with astrology, what is really aligning with my soul and maybe speaking to me on a deep soul level truth. And when I listened back to this conversation, I realized that a lot of it was really Martha teaching me through this conversation, which is just always so incredible. And honestly, that's the reason why I want to have these conversations with these people in my community who are amazing and who are constantly teaching me all sorts of things that I sometimes would put away and didn't even realize that I was slowly digesting the wisdom that was shared. So this is one of those conversations. I feel that it really spoke to me as someone who have always felt, I've always felt that astrology is a portal to something larger and greater and perhaps numinous and not really something I can put into words, but the act of trying is illuminating anyway, right? Um, and if you are one of those people who perhaps have been learning astrology for a while, but have felt like a certain kind of perhaps discomfort around using astrology and finding your own way to use astrology, I think that this episode will either really speak to you or will really assist you in kind of um, receiving or opening up to a perspective about astrology that is much more mystical, um, spiritual, magical, and also really grounded at the same time. In this conversation, we spoke about how Martha connects um, her energy work and astrology, Martha's journey with channeling, as you have heard in Martha's bio. Martha is, um, receives beautiful education. And so we, we spoke about how, you know, the, the traditional education model, right, has influenced our ability to simply be a channel to what wants to come through us and Martha's own process with that. We um, spoke about the idea of de deconstructing the idea of the divine masculine and the divine feminine, and not just deconstructing, but also deepening into it, because that was actually also how Martha and I got connected. We got connected through our mutual friend, Verena Borrell, who has also been on this podcast. So if you've not listened to Verena's 
uh, episode, my conversation with Verena about Mercury and the outer planets. I highly recommend that. It was a very channeled and buzzy conversation that I think you'll really enjoy if you love astrology. Um, and yeah, Martha and I connected because Martha at the time was creating the symposium that really talks about, explores the idea of gender, sexuality, and spirituality. And I was one of the speakers. And I spoke about the non-binary experience as well as um, the archetype of Mercury as a planet, as a force. And that was a really incredible also <laughs> uh, presentation, if I do say so myself. Um, and you can find it on YouTube. And you can, I believe, I will, I will include all of the links below, but... But the whole symposium, I would recommend that you check that out, especially if you're currently being kind of invited into deeper exploration around these topics, because the way that Martha and all the speakers really talk about it in this symposium is so expansive and opening. And I would say really unlike anything I've really seen out there about this idea of masculine and feminine, which honestly is very polarizing, right? And can bring up a lot of um, shame and can bring up a lot of um, weird concepts, conditionings around um, all the ways that we've been taught about who we're supposed to be. We also spoke about the crone energy and the importance of cultivating crone energy within ourselves and also honoring it in the world. Um, we spoke, I think the part of the conversation that really stuck with me on such a deep level was how Martha shared about how she worked with transit, how she worked um, specifically with transit as an antidote to working with fear of the unknown. So there's such tremendous authenticity in this conversation that Martha exudes and embodies. And I am really excited for you to listen to it. So let's just get right to it. Here's my conversation with Martha Alter Heinz. So welcome to the podcast, Martha. Thank you for being here. So you and I met through our mutual friend, Verena. And then um, I saw you pull off this really incredible um, feat, really. Like my Virgo rising mind still can't comprehend it. It's just like, how <laughs> did Martha do that? So you... Um, you hosted a symposium called Rebecoming the One, which talks about uh, sexuality, gender, um, and, and healing our relationship to, to those areas in our lives. And, and it was incredible, Martha. I mean, it was just, it became like a movement in a way. And so... Um, I'm really excited to talk to you. I've been reading your your work. And yeah, I thought that maybe we can begin with 
a little bit of um, just situating ourselves in the present moment. I'm curious to hear if you want to introduce yourself. Um, who do you sense, know, or feel yourself to be in the present moment? On the most pure level, I guess I would say one answer is I experience myself to be what we all are, which is mm. infinity. <laughs> yeah. And um, I experience myself as one manifestation of infinity, which happens to have had uh, what I what I experience myself as having had a, a infinite experiences as various forms of especially the feminine mm. through all of existence. <laughs> yeah, um, and I'm getting to know my masculine, and I'm getting to know all parts of existence through various aspects of who I am. <laughs> Is that? That's a very, very not concrete answer. <laughs> but, um, that's on the highest level. That's how I, when I journey like in my mm. prayers every day, that's what I, that's what I'm currently experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's <laughs> profound. Can you tell us a little bit about what that journey looks like or how yeah. it feels like to have lived these different lifetimes maybe exploring various manifestations of the feminine and now maybe learning more of this masculine side of yours. Mm -hmm. The really like just direct, honest answer is every day I do a certain version of praying and I get taken up into the cosmos and into um like a realm beyond space and time mm. into the void <laughs> what the spirit world call to me calls the void and in that place um i get shown a lot of things that either messages for me or things i'm supposed to share in the world and so for me personally but i think also related to the work I'm meant to be doing in the world, I I get shown myself as like a being of infinity and a being of the stars, a being of the energetics of life. Yeah. And then you know, I get shown that there's infinite ways that can manifest. Um, but my the energy that is that has configured as quote unquote me typically has configured as various forms of very powerful feminine energies mm. and on this planet like in my lifetimes here that i can remember they're all they all seem to be mainly quote unquote, like lives as quote-unquote women mm -hmm. like healer healer women who are pretty um ostracized and like, they're very powerful but they're treated pretty badly yeah and, um and then I'm having my own journey now of coming back to myself as also masculine. So I'm like, that's a whole conversation in and of itself, but I've, I've gone really, really deep and found, you know, 
what I experienced as my feminine and what I experienced as my masculine and my inner child. And then, uh, and then I, I would say I've also been contemplating, is there a part of me that I would call quote unquote, my non-binary? I don't know. Maybe there is also mm. that. Um, but with my quote unquote masculine, it's like, I'm suddenly discovering him and now he's going out into the cosmos and into the world and re-becoming infinity and journeying through the stars. Um, and then he comes back to my feminine and my inner child and all the rest of who I am. And it's like, he brings a certain alchemy to that dance that's inside of me. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very, it's anyways, really complex. But it <laughs> I is, feel you. Yeah. It's a very healing for me right now. To yeah. Be doing that. Mm-hmm. yeah. I really hear the multidimensionality in what you are just describing about your experience. And even this idea that our identity is not one, you know, that our identity or it is one, but it shows up, it has many different facets, right? It has many different components to it. And, and this is something that I definitely felt from reading your book, um, Living the One Light, as well as just from knowing you as a person, like I know that you dabble in a lot of different things and not just dabble. Like I would say that you probably are probably extremely good at a lot of different things. And it looks like you, you combine user experience design in your work, you channel, you do spiritual mentorship, you do astrology, you do motherhood, you were trained as a, as a mental health professional. And it's like, first of all, when I, when I read that, and when I kind of um, felt into that, I just felt this kindred spiritness with you. Because as a fellow Virgo rising, I'm like, I too have a Gemini midheaven and I'm doing all these different things. And everyone's always like, what? But I feel like you and I kind of got each other like on a frequency level, like the moment we jumped on that very first Zoom call when we when we connected. Yeah. So instant. instant, Yeah. (laughs) And I was just like, I I also something I want to mention too, Martha, is that I feel like you have this presence where where it's really easy to just settle with you, like on a nervous system level, like I feel instantly comfortable. I don't know if you get that a lot, but I, what I'm really curious about, and my question is really around, I'm I'm very curious to hear about your life story, actually. And I'm curious to hear about your journey as human Martha and how you got to this point, exploring all these different, um, ways of looking at the world and really how I see it is you explore different ways of understanding our consciousness and Mm -hmm. and understanding your own consciousness and how that works within yourself and how it can be of service to other people so yeah I would just love to hear your life story and you know feel free to highlight or omit whatever feels relevant at this moment and alive yeah Thank you. It's, it is an honor to be asked that question. I don't think anyone has really asked me that in that way. So thank you for mm. the question. Um, my life story. I, let's see again, I could answer this many ways, but this way is 
I was, you and I have similarity with, with our life stories too, Mm -hmm. in certain ways. So I was born in Bangkok, Thailand, and my family is very international. Um, So my, my dad's parents were both born and raised in India and, um, but they're from the United States and uh so my dad's family is you know lives in all over the world still um especially in india also i have family in pakistan um australia europe uh i lived i i grew up in bangladesh pakistan kenya and the united states wow Um, yeah so so my life, my childhood was started, you know, not in the United States. I live in, I live in California now and I've been in California since 2003. So I've lived in California actually the longest I've lived anywhere in my whole life, but I didn't live in the United States for a big chunk of my childhood. Mm. And um, so I think that that's, a huge part of who I am is that I, I recognize very viscerally that the earth is our home and, you know, no one country is the center of the universe, such as the United States. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, a lot of people who grew up in the United States and live in the United States tend to experience this country as the center of the universe, which it isn't. And absolutely, <laughs> so I know that. I know that on a very deep level that it's not. Um, and then also I would say really key to how I grew up is my, my, when I would lived in Pakistan, I had a, a nanny who my dad ended up marrying later, which comes with all kinds of drama mm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, scandal there. But she and I were extremely close. And so she was kind of a second mom to me starting when I was seven. And her life story is very profound and hit me, you know, really shaped who I am also. And the gist of it is that she's from the low, very, very, very poor family in Pakistan. And her family was originally Hindu um, before partition of India, you know, India in 1947 got independence from uh from britain and then split it into india and pakistan which later became india pakistan bangladesh so Mm. there was humongous um horrific time called partition where millions of people were slaughtered and pakistan wanted to be a country for people who are muslim so anyway hindus and the muslims were killing each other and lots of other stuff that's with the simplified version but bottom line my stepmother's family was originally hindu but too poor to move to india so they stayed in pakistan what was becoming pakistan and um and converted to catholicism in order to essentially not be killed because they were hindu so um so so her growing up was extremely poor extremely violent she was married at age 11 in an arranged marriage to a 20 year old. And she had 13 pregnancies and four of her children survived past the age of two. 
Um, so I grew up starting at age seven, hearing her stories of her mm. life. Like she would just tell them to me. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I have this very deep, intense grief, I would say, and passion around the needs of women in particular around the world. And, um, and also children, I mean, people of all genders, not just women, and, uh, but Pakistan, you know, is a very particularly oppressive culture around gender. Mm. And um, it's extremely upsetting the way that women are treated there. And so that's, that's another big imprint on who I am. And then um, fast forward a bunch, <laughs> I later went to college and grad school and got a master's degree in social work, clinical social work, and I became a therapist. Um, so for the bulk of my adulthood, starting when I was 22, I did social work. And in the middle of that, I also took five years off to go to massage school. So I was a massage therapist for five years, did Reiki and craniosacral therapy and other hands-on healing hmm. modalities. But then I went back to being a therapist and a clinical social worker, which is what I did up until um, 2019. And I, I left social work officially in 2019. And, um, and that was precipitated starting in 2018 by an experience that I had of spirits a, a circle of eight spirits coming to me and asking me to start channeling a series of eight books, which living the one light is the first of those eight. Um, and the, the series itself is called the living the one light series. So, um, so that start that launched me into what I'm doing now, which is uh, it incorporates my life history and that whole life story mm. and my passion around social justice my passion around uh, the needs of people, humans and trauma and attachment. And that's very connected to my clinical background and my background as a therapist. But now what I am doing is much more about um, incorporating all of who we are into healing on this planet. So, you know, Traditional therapy tends to focus mainly on the cognitive behavioral needs and, and emotional, but using cognitive behavioral techniques or psychodynamic techniques or things that are pretty limited to the mind and maybe the heart and occasionally the body. I mean, there are more somatic treatments available, but True. what I'm really being called to do in this part of my life, you know, moving forward is incorporating ourselves as beings that are of this earth of the heart of the mind of the spirit of the soul of infinity of yeah. you know, literally all of who we are yeah um yeah and then i'll just add also very important is i am a mom of two kids and um so that's huge part of it and i have three cats and, <laughs> and i love the ocean and i live 15 minutes from the ocean and i love just being in nature and i live in an amazing beautiful place and yeah, yeah. So there you go there, thank there you for sharing that that was yeah. 
that was incredible, Martha. And and a few things really stood out to me here around um, specifically. I'm I'm really curious to hear what that moment was like for you when the circle of eight spirits kind of came to you, and were you know very clear about wanting you to channel messages from them through you because in my own journey i almost had to start with astrology because there was a system to astrology and there was something that my mind could grasp and the more i the deeper i go into it the more i become introduced to all these other modalities and then eventually i can kind of allow myself to have this fullness of expression as someone who has relationship with the spirit realm let's just say right but it seems like for you that piece about like channeling or or having a relationship with that realm almost came first is that would you say that that's true definitely yeah Mm. i i got introduced to astrology when i was in college so i'm 45 now so you know that was 25 or 27 years ago or whatever but i i didn't and i and i learned about it but i pretty quickly got disillusioned i guess about mm. it and then it was in 2018 when i got reintroduced to astrology and so it's been a little over 4 years since i've really intensively been studying astrology um and but my spiritual experiences uh consciously i would say they started when i was about 18 or 19 18ish mm. and then more consciously was when i was about 21 when i first learned reiki and then i would say it just increased it, through my 20s my late 20s especially i started that was when i took off time and was a massage therapist and i i was having when i had my hands on people i realized i had these very strange abilities that i did not even know were a thing like being able to see inside people's bodies uh, right. with my hands and right. yeah, see people's spirit guides and all that. So all that kind of came back online in my late twenties. Um, and so by 2018, four years ago, I was 41 when those cir- that circle of spirits came to me. And it was, so that was in April of 2018 when the spirits came and then I started really studying astrology in june or july of 2018 so yes Mm. so astrology came after (laughs) yes the reason i got interested in astrology was because what happened is that i was having in in june 2018 i had a really i would say dramatic experience personal experience uh, like a relationship situation that happened Mm. and I couldn't understand it, but in my praying, I was getting shown in my prayers. I get shown the energetics of things. So I was getting shown this energetic of a light that was the representative of a feminine energy and the light of a masculine energy. And they were opposed, like they were opposite to each other. And, um, I kept getting shown this image and I didn't really understand what it was about and then my cousin a cousin of mine who I'm really close to said I was explaining this personal situation that was happening and and she I hadn't talked to her about my prayers but she said you know what 
you know what's going on astrologically right now, Martha, is there's um, an eclipse with uh, Venus and Mars opposing each other. And Venus mm. often is thought of as, quote unquote, the feminine and Mars often, as, quote unquote, the masculine. And I said, that is exactly what I keep getting shown in my praying, like a light that's the feminine uh, opposite the light that's the masculine. They're, it's not opposite in the sense of like pushing away, just they happen to be sort of facing each other across from each other. Yeah. Anyway, so then I got intrigued and I noticed that what I would get shown in my prayers was the same energetic. It was what was going on in astrology, in the astrology, in the transits. And that's still true. I still get shown an energetic and then I'll go, I wonder what is going on with whatever it is, Vesta or whatever. And I'm feeling the energetic of Vesta above my head. Yeah. And I'll look at the current transits and it turns out Vesta is on my MC that day or whatever it is. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So um, that's part of what hooked me into astrology was because I realized that the energetics are a real thing because mm-hmm. I know now enough about my own experience with those visions that they're real <laughs> or at least, you know, real enough. And um, anyway, so then I suddenly went, huh, I think I need to understand this astrology thing. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. I love that because I think for me, my, my journey with astrology it's taken me a while until I can trust my intuition enough to apply it within astrology. It was like, at first it was more an intellectual thing. Like I just became so, um, it it was almost like astrology was consuming me, you know, not me consume, but the way it looks like in the human world is I was constantly consuming astrological content like i couldn't stop learning or reading books or like finding new teachers listening to podcasts and to me the confidence in really giving readings or holding space for people really came through once i started listening to what wanted to come through even without finding the astrological evidence first so i do get this feeling sometimes or just kind of a knowing before readings, um, which planet wants to talk to this person? And it's almost, I've had experiences of like pushing that away, especially, especially I've noticed that when the one I push away is Venus, she always finds a way to come back into the reading in a very assertive way. Yes. Like she always, it's almost like coming from the mouth of the person telling me their Venus story. And I'm like, well, now I can't not talk about you. (laughs) But I, I yeah, but I had this idea when I was starting out that it had to, you know, maybe Venus had to have a really important square to another place or like some sort of important aspect or play an important role. But it was more as I begin to trust, you know, just this knowing sense of which planetary archetype wants to talk to the person that astrology started to to feel like my own language. Hmm. Yes. One of the things I love so much in general and in life and also in my work is, is recognizing that each of us has such a unique way of life moving as us, you know, like the, the, yes. that, what you're describing is particular to you. And some people might have a similar experience, but 
but each of our intuition works differently. And, and I just, I find like each person is like a gem, like a jewel, you know, Mm. and I love, I love trying to understand and drop into what is that particular magic that goes on for you, you know, or another person. And, and people often will say, well, how do you do that? How do you find your answers or whatever? And, uh, and I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't like be a cookie cutter that people are supposed to copy or something. And you, you can't either. Right. It's, yeah. I, I love just like holding space for each person to figure out their own magic. Like they're like that, what you're describing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's also a co-creative process, right? As the person mm-hmm. begins to see their magic, the mm-hmm. more you can also help them in figuring out maybe different ways that they can not hide that magic yeah. or not obstruct that magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really curious to hear about more about your practice around transits around especially knowing that you have um written a planner sacred cosmic rhythms right would you characterize them as a planner a journal a journal yeah Yeah. Yeah. and and um because personally for me it's been interesting i have a really fraught relationship with with transits in general because i love really digging deep into astrology and the different archetypes in astrology and i love holding space for people when they are going through stuff and looking at their transit but personally for myself to be completely honest like i don't like looking at transits mm-hmm. <laughs> i almost want to want to have the experience i want to have and at the same time as i'm saying that i feel that in the in the past year or so there has been a bit of a softening around around feeling into where am I getting stuck with with doing transit work that maybe I can begin relaxing. Mm. Because I almost feel, my sense of it is that a lot of transit work has to do with patience and really accessing this level of grace in interpreting difficult transits. We're Mm. speaking now... um, you know, close to Uranus and Mars being having a conjunction with the North Node, right? Mm-hmm. And so nobody's pretending that this time is going to be easy. <laughs> but, but, um, but I'm curious to hear about your relationship with transit and how, or or maybe your relationship with astrology in general. Anything that you feel like sharing around that? Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so something I've been thinking about a lot because. Uh, the spirit world is actually very clear with me that I, I am, I am an astrologer and I am definitely here to be partly doing astrology, but the way that I'm meant to be doing it is maybe related to what you're saying you feel comfortable or uncomfortable with. So for me, the experience needs to come first. The astrology comes second. Mm-hmm. The way I think of astrology and specifically transits is that the transits reflect reality as opposed to the other way around. Like, yes. so I don't feel like 
the transits are doing something to us, it's a reflection of the reality that's already inherently there. Mm-hmm. And so also kind of going back to what I said earlier about how I first got into astrology for me, what I do first is I pray and I go deep into myself and I become really clear in myself, what my reality is. And, and in my own way of being with the spirit world, you know, I get shown energetically, like do this next Tuesday, do this today in a month, blah, blah. Um, but I see, so I see the energy of what I'm, what is meant to happen. And then I look at the transits of, let's say that day. Like, for example, I got told in my prayers, what day to start and end the symposium, the rebecoming mm. one symposium. Right. I didn't, I had no clue what the astrology was until I set the dates. And then I looked at the astrology and I went, holy crap are you kidding me so the day that officially the symposium started was june 14th 2022 which happened to be a full moon in sagittarius which happened to be on my my natal eros and conjunct the galactic center so um it was like this really powerful full moon happened you know anyway like the astrology was unbelievably perfect Mm -hmm. for oh and then and then you know mars was conjunct chiron venus was in taurus conjunct the north node it was like you know the quote unquote masculine feminine were in their own home signs it was anyway it was just the astrology fit the to the energy of starting that kind of a symposium so perfectly but i wouldn't i don't look at the transits to plan things i I get told in my prayers you know what to do or what's or i get real with my own truth at whatever that happens to be either planning things or just feeling my own honest truth Mm -hmm. and then i look at transits um but the other component that's been coming through very strongly and it's related to what i'm doing in the world right now is I also for me I'm not meant to be the kind of astrologer that goes out and and makes videos on you know the daily transits or things like that. a lot of astrologers are called to do that and that's wonderful yeah. that's not yeah. that's not me <laughs> so what I'm called to do is really um it's related to the astrology and I do make videos you know on my YouTube channel about astro- astrological transits and all that kind of thing but what the spirit world is really wanting to convey through me is um, very grounded, practical, spiritual tools mm. for navigating the particular moment we happen to be in in this on this planet, which happens to include certain astrological transits, right? So, for example, so the spirit world is having me now hold uh monthly at least one per month what they're calling um soul wisdom gatherings and uh they're well actually i'm holding one next monday but uh, typically they're going to be there every saturday one saturday a month Mm -hmm. and what they are is the spirit world channeling a message and a guided uh healing experience that is related to certain astrological transits 
but is really about helping us ground and connect to ourselves as the divine and have a particular tool that is relevant for the, those particular transits, right? right? So for example, that transit you're talking about with the North Node conjunct Uranus conjunct Mars, the spirit world had me hold a, a soul wisdom gathering on July 16th, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it was specific to give a practical spiritual tool for navigating that, that set of energies, which can mm-hmm. be, like you said, like very volatile or um, unpredictable and all that. But they're yeah. very adamant with me that, yes, that's a possibility, but the real truth of that transit is really about helping us come back into alignment with ourselves as the intelligence of the divine end of the earth. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, so it's like my approach to transits in general is definitely finding the gift in it, <laughs> um, finding the wisdom in it, and then giving very grounded practical tool from the spirit world that helps us navigate it. So instead of freaking out, it's like, okay, yes. And here's another perspective and here's what we can do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Does that makes sense. I love that, Martha. That is literally music to my ears. Okay. So thank you for doing the work you're doing. It's funny because um, you you wouldn't know this, but me and my collaborator, uh, Britton, we are starting a one year long astrology learning container. And Ooh. that was a, a big part of it. So um, maybe I'll cut this part out. But, um, but something I wanted to share with you is that you know, I feel like I spend a lot of time trying to fit into different astrological ways of looking at things or being a certain kind of astrologer. And this is something that Britton and I share as people with a lot of Capricorn placements, <laughs> like really wanting to like do it right, you know? And so we are, we're creating this container where um, we're consciously opening up to different ways of being astrologers Mm -hmm. and astrology as a portal to different ways of uh, practicing and tending to what it means to be human and to be human that has a relationship with the cosmos Mm, so what you're speaking is like i really love what you're sharing because it feels to me like you are finding your own way that makes sense to you and makes sense to how spirit wants to speak through you and who you are as a human in this world and your work, the work that's cut out for you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I don't feel like I'm meant to be an astrologer, like, like put that on a plaque and say, I'm Martha Hines astrologer. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, I am Martha Alter Hines and I happen to be an astrologer in addition to these things. And I incorporate astrology for sure, big time into what I do. It's a big yeah. component of it. Yeah. But it's like, it's one language, it's one lens, it's one medicine, it's one tool of, you know, big, much bigger, I guess that Gemini Midheaven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Pisces Sun in the seventh house too. That too. Very that too. much That's, so. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, I love this so much. Um, so something I wanted to 
ask you about, Martha, is about this experience of channeling these books. So far, you've written three out of um, eight that is wanting to come through you. I'm curious how that experience has been. I wonder if there has been resistance. Um, and I wonder how they've changed your life. Because in reading them, um, there was a sense of flow. And also this sense of like childlike wonder that mm-hmm. almost seems to me as I'm reading them. It's interesting because you mentioned, I think it was in your preface, that just maybe by by touching the book, like without having read a word, that those who are drawn to that work will feel the resonance. And I do feel like resonance is such an important part of our existence here because my sense of it is that resonance is what helps us um, learn the lessons that our souls want to learn in this lifetime. That by following resonance, we get to have the experiences, both pleasant and unpleasant to our human minds, that our souls really want to learn. And so I'm curious to hear about how that experience of channeling was for you, especially as someone who has spent a lot of their time being educated. You know, you were, you were um, a social worker. You were getting all these very traditional colonial training, right? And then to channel something that is so, um, yeah, like there's such a childlike wonder about it. And, and you know, something that struck me is like, for example, there was a point where, um, I can't remember if it was, you know, the light beings or if um, it was the, it was Gaia who was just saying straight up, like, I'm crying. You know, that, that is something that happens a lot. Like there seems to be this way that these beings that want to speak through you express themselves in a very unobstructed way, like, and very expressive way. And I'm curious what that experience was like for you. Mm. Yeah. Um, and yes, I mean, my education is very, uh, um, how do I put it? (laughs) I, you know, I got my master's degree at Smith college, which is a very elite East coast school. It's, Mm -hmm. it's one of the seven sisters that goes with those seven, um, Ivy league schools and Barbara Bush went there, I think maybe Nancy Reagan, I was very, very high LED type school. Mm-hmm. And, and I was, you know, straight A kid, president of the student body in college, like all of, I did all of that traditional stuff. So, um, so yes, <laughs> yes, this is a challenge for me. <laughs> because channeling is for me is in a sense, it's out of my hands. Like I would not have written those books the way they're written. I just wouldn't. (laughs) And I'm even, I feel a little embarrassed or like nervous about them in a certain sense. Um, I haven't read them since I, well, no, that's not true. I didn't read them from the time I published them until uh, about a year ago, I went through a year and a half ago, I went through and re- formatted them so I did change a little bit of living the one light um and I reformatted Gaia Speaks and Cosmos Speaks just to have the formatting be a little cleaner yeah 
but I, I actually feel like I need to go back and read them and maybe even read them out loud to myself <laughs> um, because they're not written by me. And mm-hmm. so my human brain gets a little bit, because <sighs> they're not academic, they're not intellectual at all, you know, and I feel like I need to soften into that and come to my own understanding of them. Yeah. Now that it's been four years since I since I channeled Living the One Light, um, and it's been three years since I channeled Gaia Speaks and Cosmos Speaks. So, so yes, it's been difficult. Um, but I mean, in a certain sense, and in another way, it's also very freeing to just let go and let this other frequency move through my body. Um, I did also channel the first draft of Love Speaks, which is the fourth one, and then Goddesses Speaks, uh, which is the, the fifth one, two years ago. So those are not published yet, but the drafts are done. And I looked back at the draft of Goddesses Speak just this week, actually, because it's relevant to some of the work I'm going to be doing um, this fall. Mm-hmm. And I love goddesses speak. <laughs> so, so that one, that one, I feel like my human self is more, it's more similar to how my human self would write it, you know, right. which is really interesting. Um, and I think probably parts of Gaia speaks also are more close to how my human self would write it. But, but yeah, I feel like I need to now go back and reconcile with my human self you know, what is this message that the, the spirit world is trying to move through me? Um, Cause I am just the, literally the channel, the conduit, but I, I do feel like my human self needs to be a little bit more understanding, like getting it. But a, a lot of the time when I channel, I don't get it until years later, like mm. what the point was. Um, and with the, with this, series of eight books I can see what it's going to end up looking like it's it's going to be a spiral of like a rainbow colors so living the one light is the first book and it's a it's a certain shade of like golden yellow and then and then the spiral of the eight books spirals up until the last book which the eighth book is going to be called the light speaks so that the eight books are living the one light Gaia speaks uh the cosmos speaks, love speaks, goddesses speak, God, the gods speak, the crystals speak, and then the light speaks. So the light speaks and living the one light are like bookends mm. to, to a spiral. Right. And they're, so it's an octave, you know, like in music. Yeah. Right. You're a musician. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like living the one light is like uh-huh. the, it's like middle C. Uh-huh. And then the light speaks is like the next C up. Yeah, you know? right. And the colors, right. yeah. So the living the one light is like a yellow gold color, and then the light speaks is like a higher vibration of mm. that same yellow gold color. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. So like I can see the visual of it, and I can feel the energetic of it, but I'm only halfway done writing them, and I don't. My human self doesn't quite get the the point yet but i can feel it that it's a transmission of energy it's a transmission of healing it's like a it's a particular medicine it's like a little mm. medicine bag like once they're all published and they're all done it'll be like a 
like a grouping of a particular medicine for the world. Yeah. 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 But I, but it, the human me doesn't understand it yet. Yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting because the reason why I'm really interested in that question is because also for me, even, you know, I haven't fully finished living the one light, but I've noticed that even though the language itself was very simple and there was like this expressive childlike quality to it, the way that it moves through me is almost very subconscious. And it's mm. almost like as I'm, you know, I, I would read them and I'm like, okay, okay, I got it. You know, my intellect got it really, really quickly because everything's very yeah. simple, right? It's yeah. like, okay, yeah, got it, got it, thanks. And then you start to feel things moving through you in kind of a, I don't know, like a way that that is beyond what the human brain can comprehend. Mm. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I can understand that. I mean, again, I actually one thing I hope to do in the next two like month or two or something. I really want to sit down with starting with living the one light, and I'm not joking. I think I'm going to record myself reading it out loud, honestly for me. Yeah, <laughs> because I I think there is something that needs to drop deeper into even my understanding of the energy that's coming through that book uh, and through each each of them. Yeah, but um. Yeah. And I've had people, you know, when I first published it, I had people, I'm not kidding, <laughs> writing me from India, from England, from on airplanes, you know, like this one woman wrote me from an airplane and she said, I was about to board this plane and I went on the internet and I saw this book on like Kindle, you know, on Amazon. And I knew I had to read it. And I have been reading it since I've gotten on the airplane and I've been sobbing the whole time. Wow. And I've been like, whoa okay um that wasn't me like that I didn't plan <laughs> I have no idea what that was for her um and another woman wrote me from India saying that her husband had just died she was all alone she had nobody and she felt like that book living the one light was her only friend basically in the yeah. world and somehow she, I don't even know how she found my book but yeah. she found the Kindle version of it, you know, and yeah. um, I don't know. It has its own life. And you know how so many of these things are like that, right? So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I know, I know that there's, it's a medicine for certain people. And yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. And I feel like I really see a connection between that and your work with Rebecoming the One Symposium. Because it also, I mean, when you first came up to me and you you told me about this um, symposium you're doing, I was getting a sense of like, oh yeah, Martha's just doing, you know, it's just a bunch of friends, right? Like we're all just gonna like hang out and we're gonna talk about this thing. It's like, okay, cool. And and you were like, oh, you know, would you um, be open to sharing this invitation with other people that you feel may align? And then before I knew it, by the time we recorded our talk, you had like a massive list of people <laughs> doing the yeah. talk and, and it became this really robust body of work. So, so to me, this is really interesting because part of my work, I feel as a Virgo rising so far in my life has been about allowing myself to have a relationship with my ego but also be like, okay, you can sit on the side mm -hmm. and then let's just see what wants to move through us here. 
Do you feel like that was your experience too? Oh, that's my entire life now. <laughs> From 28, starting in 2018, when that spirit, that circle of spirits came to me, that's literally my whole life. Uh, that is all my life is all day long. <laughs> I, uh, if my ego tries to get involved, it quickly realizes eh, that's not going to work. Nope. Start over. <laughs> Try again. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, I just, yeah, it's all surrender. The re-becoming the one symposium was also essentially a channeled vision. I mean, mm -hmm. it just happened. It just mm -hmm. came to me mm -hmm. um, one day when I was, I still have some massage clients. And so on my birthday, on March 5th, you know, I was working on this, my long, 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 long time massage client. I've been working with her for 19 years now or something. Uh, and they live on a cliff overlooking the Pacific Ocean, really beautiful spot here in Santa Barbara. And anyway, I had my hands on her and I felt this bolt of lightning go through mm. my body. Um, I had had my third pass of my Uranus opposition two days before my birthday. The, the, the astrology of that day was off the chart for me. You know, like Jupiter was conjunct my sun on my sorry, Jupiter was conjunct the sun on my sun because it was my birthday. Mm -hmm. And the north node of the moon was conjunct my natal Jupiter to the minute on my birthday. Wow. Wow. And the, yeah, the new moon had happened um, on March 3rd. So two days before my birthday, March 2nd. Uh, and, and also right at the time of the new moon was um, my third pass, my third and final pass of my Uranus opposition. So anyway, so people who know astrology, Uranus often is associated with lightning or like so this i had this feeling of this lightning bolt just go boom, straight through my body mm. and i got this vision of the re-becoming the one um symposium the, the whole outline was just right in front of my face and i got told do it so it was similar sim it was kind of a similar level of you know having the eight spirits come to me it was very profound and very direct and I, it was like out of my hands it, I knew I had to initiate it, but then it would do whatever it was meant to do. Right. Which is definitely what happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. How do you feel now on, on the other side of it? Actually, maybe before I even ask that question, I'm curious if you can talk about it a little bit, actually, about the re-becoming the one symposium, what inspired you to do it? What was kind of the, the inspiration behind that symposium for you? Yeah. Well, so, I mean, so I just explained the, like how it came to me, but, mm -hmm. but what it's related to really is actually those next three books that I haven't published yet in that series. So like I said before, the, the first three are published living the one light guy speaks and Cosmo speaks. And those are kind of a trio that are remembering are reminding us that we are beings of the light of the earth and of the cosmos and of infinity. So those are done and out there, but the, the second set of three also are a trio and it's, I've been sitting with those for the last two or three years. Um, so I channeled the first draft of love speaks and goddesses speak. Mm. I haven't started the third of that trio, which is the God speak. So the second set of three love speaks, goddesses speak and God speak are really about um our inner 
sacred marriage, quote unquote, our relationship to the divine feminine and the divine masculine and the infinite manifestations of both. But the human me identifies as pansexual and cisgender, but somewhat a question mark. Like, like she, they, you yeah. know, so my gender identity, you know, is pretty much cisgender, but with, yeah, with some gray area. And then my sexual orientation is definitely not straight. So, so I sit there with this directive from the spirit world of your channel about quote unquote, the divine feminine, and divine masculine. But my human mm-hmm. me goes, sure, but this is so polarized and I don't know that I really agree with this, right? So, yeah. So, re- yeah, rebecoming the one, I think for me personally, was an exploration of all of that. Like, I'm sitting here supposed to be channeling these three books, but but it makes me question all kinds of things about the way that we approach quote unquote the divine feminine, the divine masculine, and quote unquote the inner marriage, the inner sacred union. Yeah. Um, so I, on a personal level, I really wanted to explore that from a huge variety of perspectives and get lots and lots of input from people who do identify in a, in a wide variety of ways around sexual orientation and gender identity. Um, and, and, and the social work part of me, the social justice part of me also really feels extremely passionately <laughs> about um, supporting especially queer youth, but people on the planet who identify in some way other than cisgender heterosexual. Yes. And and then also my 15 year old identifies as pansexual and gender fluid. So that just like ups the ante for me around Mm -hmm. my passion Mm -hmm. for the the social justice part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love hearing that story. Thank you for sharing that. And and I can feel your passion. Something that is coming up for me is around, you know, I had a very similar experience in one of my intuitive training course where my teacher directed us to work with the masculine and the feminine energy and to kind of balance that within our physical body. And I have to tell you, Martha, uh, my brain didn't like it. Because my brain is like, what is that even? You know, what is the feminine energy, the masculine energy? Like, what? You know? And then when I just did it, my experience of it was so profound and it felt so healing in my body. And I can't explain it. And and I'm I'm curious, I feel like as someone who has been working with these energies, who has been working with these terms, I'm sure you also experience not just internal maybe resistance, but also maybe external resistance. I'm curious if you've had people come up to you and be like, well, masculine and feminine is so outdated and, and so forth. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts about why why it is that the idea of the feminine and the masculine resonate on such a deep level with us. Like a part of me doesn't want that to be true. (laughs) I know. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Those are great questions. I, yes, definitely for sure. To answer your first question. Absolutely. I have gotten a lot of questioning of, you know, focusing on the polarity. Um, 
I've questioned myself about it. My 15 year old has questioned me a ton, actually in a really helpful way. Um, maybe you and I even had some of those conversations. I can't remember in the very beginning, two, three, mm. four months ago. Um, yeah. I got, I had one conversation in particular with somebody who was considering being a speaker on rebecoming the one who ended up deciding not to be. Mm. And they, they were the most, I would say, angry at me. And I, actually, they said, I'm angry at you. <laughs> they, oh, wow. they were actually direct about being angry. <laughs> um, and they said, you know, when you, when you discuss the, these polarities, you're essentially gaslighting. Mm. And I really sat with that. And I could see the truth in that. And so part of what that did for me was help me come back into myself and deeply sit with what is my truth. Mm. And then this person, I think, would identify as somebody who is pro um, gender abolition. Mm. So just this person would rather just get rid of gender binary in general. Mm-hmm. So I really sat with that. And um, it was very important to me. It still is very important to me to respect every perspective because I don't, <laughs> I don't feel like I have the right at all to judge another person's experience of gender. That just doesn't feel good to yeah. judge it. Yeah. Um, so all I could really do is come into me and feel what feels right for me and then be open to hearing what feels right for other people. So what I realized for me in this moment is that both the experience of the non-binary is extremely healing for me. I mean, it, it's like liberating, freeing, um, I think I mentioned that in the interview you and I did for the symposium. I yeah. did. I talk about it a lot mm-hmm. in the interview I did with Joe G for the symposium. Mm-hmm. Um, that just, I think the non-binary in general has the hugely healing potential for our planet. And for me, I know for a fact that it's ex- going deeply into each of the polarities and not only, you know, feminine versus masculine, but the infinite manifestations of the feminine and the infinite manifestations of the masculine that also for me personally has been deeply healing. Mm -hmm. I think maybe partly because I did grow up and most of us on this planet right now did grow up in a way where gender is so polarized right yeah. so i mean and i would say maybe i had even more of a polarizing experience growing up because i did grow up in places like pakistan where gender is literally women have to be covered their entire bodies they don't go out of their houses a lot of the time you know yeah. i lived in shower pakistan which is right. on the border of afghanistan which is uh one of the most conservative places on this planet, literally, when it comes mm-hmm. to the way women are treated. So, <clears throat> so my experience of gender has been especially stark, you know? Uh, and so for me to deeply re-experience what 
all the facets of the feminine can be or are for any of us has I needed that. I, I have, I still need that. And then the ma- now I'm starting to do that with the masculine in me and I need that too. So for me personally, it feels important and right for there to be room mm-hmm. for all of it in Absolutely. this time of healing in our world. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, but I don't feel like I have an answer. Like, I don't feel like it's right for me to say this is correct for our whole planet. <laughs> Uh, for everybody, uh, that doesn't feel right at all. I think everybody knows their own medicine, you know. Mm-hmm. And for some people, that would be gender abolition. For some people, that would be whatever. Um, yeah. 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 It's so interesting because I really felt that energetics, Martha, throughout the symposium. I wasn't super active, like I didn't go to any of the speaker series and things like that, or or the um the meetings, but but I really felt your openness throughout with regards to to representing and showcasing the different perspectives here which is why it felt really aligned for me to be in your symposium because and and I told you about this I had so much resistance coming up with our talk <laughs> with our discussion yeah. there was so much that I personally had to go through that I had to trudge as a queer person as a person who who does identify as non-binary it was a lot like to to bring that to excavate that out of me and i still up until today i'm so proud of our recording and i still feel very sheepish about talking about it you know so there's i think it's it's so interesting to to notice how how there's so much you know as you so rightfully pointed out in the beginning there's just so much healing to be done around this topic and and that I think part of the healing is maybe even allowing some of that anger to surface, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think so- sometimes healing looks like that. Sometimes healing looks like inflammation to yes. let it out. Yeah, yeah. But but I really appreciate your um, wise grandmother energy <laughs> that you bring into this <laughs> space. I really feel it, and and I feel so held. And I think. I think probably everybody else, I'm sure other people felt the same way too. Mm. Yeah. And you've been getting, you've been getting such incredible feedback from people listening to it too. Mm. Yes. Yes. Actually. Yes. (laughs) I've been hearing from a lot of people who have been making me cry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Especially I would say the two, well, three three main kind of like categories of people who have written me are number one, mothers of children who identify as transgender. Mm. It's like a pocket of, of that, of moms and, and grand, a grandmother. And then some mothers have written me, like I would say caregivers of transgender kids. Yeah. Um, they have made me cry big time. Um, I mean, partly, probably because my own child identifies as non, non-binary, I mean, gender fluid, but Anyway, um, and then number two is um, a fairly high number of queer men in their 70s who were participants in the symposium. Yeah. Wow. You know, basically said things like, we have, we have wisdom to share. We have a voice. Like we would love to have our voice shared in the world Mm -hmm. and we haven't been heard. Yeah. 
that makes me cry. Mm. <laughs> um, that's amazing. And then number three, I would say the other big group of people writing me are um, women, cisgender, heterosexual identified women in their 70s and 80s who have been writing me and saying things like, I am 84 years old and I had no idea how much I still could change mm. and how much I still could learn. And I am now realizing from your symposium that by me learning and understanding more about the realities of gender identity and sexual orientation, what impact I have on the world, even at age 84, yeah. to change. Mm -hmm. oh my god like, i mean that, on, like right now i just have tears in my eyes you know and yeah and we've talked about this before about how important to me it is for our culture to begin reintegrating the crone energy Mm -hmm. and 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 re-honoring the crone energy because i think that crone energy at its best i don't know i mean i i have a feeling this is a big statement and my mind is like don't say that but i'm my feeling is that that's what's gonna save us oh like i think the key to our true healing is with the crones mm. of the world truly mm. of all genders i want to say of all genders all and genders. of mm. all genders and really um people who have carried such deep wisdom within them and yet still want to learn and still want to change mm -hmm. you're gonna make me cry but I know. <laughs> but <laughs> but um but something i want i feel like sharing in this moment is that you know the, the past couple of years with the pandemic has been really challenging for everyone but something that I've seen that has really, I don't know, just moved me on such a deep level is to see the transformation that has happened in my mom as she's approaching her second Saturn return. Wow. My mom is a Gemini rising with Pisces on the midheaven and also Saturn on the midheaven. And, and there's been so much change as she allows herself to become a person who is open to these different perspectives. Wow. We grew up, I grew up, and also my mom grew up very, um, very like traditionally Christian. Yeah. I don't even know if that's the right word. She grew up Baptist. I grew up um, with a lot of like evangelical strains. And and in her, as she's approaching her 60s, there's kind of this opening towards becoming more receptive towards for example receiving energy work doing wow. energy work and me witnessing this new chapter in my mom has just been such like honestly it's such a gift and and we live so far away from each other that i really see the power of that because our interactions are really only through calling each other you know, so I really get to interact with her more on that spirit level or just on that conversational level. And there was, it's so fabulous to see 
folks in the later parts of their lives opening up to new ways of being and what freedom that brought you know and and i don't know i'm i'm not really sure where i'm going with that but i i guess i just really want to say hell yes to what you were saying earlier about <laughs> like really reaching people um yeah in their later part of life mm -hmm. yeah it's so powerful and so moving yeah yeah <laughs> i feel like i've just been so blessed by this conversation i want to i want to respect your time so i want to wind us to to a close um gently here i have a couple other questions for you the first one is i would love for you to share with people how they can find you and how they can work with you like what are the different ways i know you're always doing a lot of different things so i think you know folks who feel resonant um and are really curious about your work, I think have a lot of different opportunities to work with you. So I would love to hear um, how folks can find you. Yeah, the best way is definitely through my website, which is livingtheonelight.com. And um, you can also email me at livingtheonelight at gmail.com. YouTube channel is Living the One Light. <laughs> so that's the thing, Living the One Light. <laughs> yes. yes, I love <laughs> yeah. that. So yeah, what I'm offering at this moment, but it's evolving, uh -huh. is first of all, the Rebecoming the One uh, Symposium is still available for free. It's available indefinitely. People can find that on my website, livingonelight.com. It's on my homepage. There's a link and you can access all 42 talks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so that's there permanently. Um, but in terms of working with me directly, I so I am holding these monthly gatherings um called these soul wisdom gatherings i'm having my i'm having a special one actually on august 1st and this podcast probably won't come out before that but they're also available to purchase on my website after the fact so that one's oh. specific about this that same conjunction we were just talking about mm -hmm. and then i'll be having one on saturday august 13th and another one on saturday september 17th so you know once a month like that so that's me holding space in a group um channeling this message and you can be there live or get the recording and then in also i'm holding at least one guest workshop every month on various topics so <clears throat> in the month of august i'm going to be doing one with an astrologer eric roth on the he wrote a book on vesta mm -hmm. then in september you maybe already know about this one i don't know um Verena Burrell and I are going to be doing one about Diana, the goddess asteroid, which is so beautiful. And so, you know, she's amazing, right? She's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm just getting that one up on Eventbrite right now. And um, yes. Yeah, so anyways, so, I'm going to be, so I have various workshops like that coming up. And, um, and then I do one-on-one -on -one sessions astrology sessions and healing sessions and i also one thing i love love doing with people is more of an ongoing like three to six month relationship where it, it's really appropriate for people who are <clears throat> at a point in their life where they're they're at a turning point and they feel ready to really like transform certain karmic patterns in their mm. life. Mm. Um, 
they're really ready to, I, you know, I, maybe you've, I don't know if you've had this experience yet in your life. I've had this experience in my own life, probably at least two or three times where like, I come to a moment and I go, okay, I am at this point where from this moment on, it's going to be, that was one part of my life. And here is now the next part of my life, right? Yeah. Like, like that there is no going back in mm-hmm. a sense. And mm-hmm. And in those moments, I know I personally have needed, it's been really helpful to have at least one person, if not like more than one person in different ways, hold space for me to help me make that switch, like make that transition. Um, And so I love, I would say that's one of my biggest passions right now is, is holding space for people who are really ready for deep, transformative, like moving like moving on from the karma of their past either in past mm-hmm. lives or in this life or whatever it is moving on from their trauma yeah moving on from i used to be i i, I have been like this and now i'm ready to whatever it is xyz um that's huge and and what i what i also love about doing that with people is that i do have this experience in my past of being a therapist of mm. doing a lot of trauma work and that was yeah. my big specialty was the trauma work so i'm not operating as a therapist in this work but i i bring the ability to to be operating in a trauma informed way mm-hmm. um so that we can really move beyond lots of the trauma in a way that won't re-traumatize people <laughs> yes uh, which i get pretty nervous about when people who aren't trauma informed um do that actually one of the workshops that i didn't mention that i'm going to also be doing with one another one of the speakers from the symposium is going to be a workshop on um trauma-informed how basically for people who don't have a clinical background what are the trauma-informed basics Mm. Uh, you know if you're an astrologer in particular or any other healer healing modality what are the things you absolutely need to know when you're working with humans around trauma um so that's another one of my passions. I didn't even mention that, but that sounds so yes. important. Yeah. 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 And I'm sure there are other things I'm forgetting that I'm doing, but those are, those are the kind of the, the basics, the monthly meetings, the monthly workshops, and then the one-on-one work and the more mentoring longer term work with people. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Martha. So my last question for you is if I offer up the phrase healing the spirit, what comes up for you? I'm I'm curious to hear any first impressions, any excitement, any challenges, anything that comes up for you. Um, when you say that, I feel like I feel a lot a lot in my heart. I feel mm. I feel like a lightning in my heart, and I feel deep sadness and grief that I think I carry. <laughs> Uh, probably from lots of lifetimes and and the way that I grew up you know seeing a lot of suffering in the world very very deep suffering some more other people's suffering more than my own suffering I would say but that's what that's what I immediately feel like physically in me Mm. and and coming from you it feels just very beautiful because I you have a very healing presence to me so Thank you, Martha. This has been such a joy. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. 
right, that's it for my conversation with Martha. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that you found something nourishing, something that fills up your soul in this conversation. And as always, I would highly recommend if you resonate with Martha's work to check out her newsletter, her offerings, all of the links are below. And yeah, definitely connect with Martha. If you have been enjoying this episode, if you've been enjoying this podcast, I have a request for you um, and ask. I would love it if you could leave me a rating on Apple Podcasts. Um, a review would be highly, highly appreciated. And um, I believe on Spotify, you can only leave stars nowadays. But um, yeah, if you have an iPhone, head on over to Apple Podcasts, find my podcast, and leave me a beautiful five-star review. It honestly doesn't even have to be long. Um, it can literally be two sentences. And all that matters is that your review will really help others find conversations like this and to um, amplify the impact of the conversations and the energy that me and my guests are cultivating in these conversations. All right, I look forward to the next time that you tune in to Healing the Spirit. And until then, I am sending you so much love and I hope that you take good care of yourself. <laughs>